0: Yes. Wow. Hey, is that good to proclaim that truth? Amen. Whoo. I was over here just singing it out and I was like, man, I'm gonna lose my voice. Let's go. Um, hey, grab your Bible. That's the text for this course. So grab your Bible. We're going to be um, ultimately going to get to John uh, because we're reading the scriptures together uh, in these days. All of us uh, are reading. scriptures together to place all that we're reading in context. In fact, this week, we're going to be starting tomorrow. We're in like John 6, 7, 8, 7, 8, 9, 10. We're going to be in John 10 today. So everybody is reading because that's what we're doing. We're a church family. We do it together. Um, If you haven't grabbed a bookmark, this is going to help. It's it's online as well, but uh, make sure you do that, okay? Because we're in this together. Uh, We're going to talk today about how we hear his voice, um, and there's a book for that. Okay, so anyway. I say it often. If you're a Christian, there's at some point you got to get in your Bible. I'm just saying. And because He speaks to us, we're going to talk about it today. We get in it every day, okay? We're making it real easy, and we're doing it together. Keep each other accountable. All the good things, okay? I love that song we just sang because it reminds us um, it, it's it's this tension. We talk about this uh, theologians talk about this tension, the already and not yet tension of the Christian life, and the reality of who we are, when, if, when you come to receive his grace, you get this new identity, totally forgiven, completely loved by him. And uh, I think it was Henry Nowen said, the moment that you realize that you are the beloved of God, now you can start your journey to become who you already are. How does that happen? That's what we're going to talk about. That's why I love these I am statements that we're looking at, because uh, he's always present tense. He's right now, right? Yes, he's the God of the past. He's the God of the future, certainly, because he is the I am. He's Yahweh. I am who I am. You're not going to put a name on me. I'm self-defined. I'm eternal. But he is always present tense. Because think about that. When we go into the past, if you're like me, go into the past without God, Shame and regret is what I've got in the past. When I look into the future, anxiety and worry, and God says, right here, right now, because this is where life happens. And I praise the Lord. He's always present tense. He's always right here with us. Uh, So here's what we're going to do. We're going to dive into um, John chapter 10. You can turn there now, John chapter 10, and we're going to be at verse one, 1 through 10, but I'm going to um, set it up for us here uh, because we're, un- we're realizing and understanding that context is, is so critical when we look at all these. And if you've been with us, you realize right where Jesus was, where he was, what it looked like, what was the situation. And every one of these I am statements, are. Uh, we follow a pattern in, in John where he makes a claim or statement and then he proves it by something he's done or he, he does something like the bread of life uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, and then, like, he's the five thousand. He's, I'm the bread of life, uh, or, or he. In, in this story, now what we're going to get to in John ten, this is really important to understand. Um, he has just healed a blind man, so he says he's the light of the world. Then literally turns on the light for this guy, and and, and if you 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 understand the context, you understand what he's now going to say as we move forward. Um, but listen, this this Wednesday night, just a little, little preach the announcements here. I'm going to be teaching a class on Wednesday night, 6.30 in the fellowship hall, and it's a kind of a little mini-series. Once a month, I'm going to be teaching us how to read, uh, understand, and apply the Bible. Read, understand, and apply. So come join me. I'm going to teach some things that I've learned along the way that really helped me, that I practice every day, that I want to encourage you to do so, and we're going to talk focus in on really what it is to, uh, to, to hear from God. Like what, is, what does it mean? How do we read the Bible well? And we try to model this every time we gather, but we're gonna do that this week. There's also lots of great classes. This, this, I know Stacy's j- jumping in on this Spanish speaking class, by the way. If you're going on one of our 11 trips to South Texas or if you're involved in our In Espanol ministries, come this Wednesday night, uh, look online. There's all kinds of great stuff that happens midweek here, okay? So, because people are asking me all the time, well, how do you hear from God? Like, how does this really happen? Um, again, well, there's a book for that. He kind of offers it for us and he wants us to be in it, okay? So what's happened here, back to context of this passage, the, the, um, the, the, this guy is, is born blind, he's healed by Jesus, and so the Pharisees, they don't know what to do with this. Um, so they start to interrogate the guy. If you know the story, it's really kind of almost humorous. Uh, it is kind of funny. He starts to diss on them a little bit, so much so they get frustrated. It's such a close case, they cast him out. They literally excommunicate this guy from the temple, cast him out. Jesus, like he does, he finds the guy, and then he says, well, do you believe in, in, in the Messiah? the Son of man. And he goes, I don't know. Show him to me. And he says, he's talking to you. And he goes, You're the, I believe. And then he turns to the Pharisees, ironically, and he says, okay, this guy can see. You guys are blind. Literally, he says. I mean, savage, Jesus. You're the blind ones. Because, watch this, precisely because they think they can see, is what he says. You see, there's this prerequisite as we step into the kingdom of God. Faith requires a humility that says, I may not know everything I need to know. We've launched this entire series based on a premise that, and and Dallas Willard, um, he he says it well in in his book, sets up the whole book, Divine Conspiracy, where he says he wants a, wants a, a fresh reading fresh hearing for Jesus, because he says that a familiarity, familiarity with him, a presumed familiarity with who Jesus is, has led to an unfamiliarity of who he actually is. And this unfamiliarity has led to contempt. In other words, looking down like less than he really is, and contempt has led to profound ignorance, is what he says. And this is so, can be so true with all of us, gang. It's like, oh, I got him figured out. Like, let me ask you: Why are you not in the Word daily? If you're not, I'm. am j- just curious. Uh, don't know if I really learn anything. I guess. I mean, it's not priority. Like, there's 24 hours in a day, um, and I have so many people who do. Like, man, it's so hard for me. Like, it's so hard. And I'm not trying to, you know, cast condemnation on you. I'm just saying this happens to all of us. Like, I, I think I've already got. I got it figured out, and I'm trying my best to work out this this Christian life. But, but the scandal of it all is that this presumed familiarity, like the Pharisees, this is what's happening. Like, God doesn't do this. They don't know. How about this? This guy's so radically changed, they don't know what to do with him. May it never be in the church. Like, this guy's so radically changed, they cast him out. All of this is setting up this next teaching. Jesus finds him, and he's telling the Pharisees, your presumed familiarity about who God is and what he's about I'm standing right here in front of you. And when Jesus says, this is wild. When he says, if, last week we talked about this. If you, if you knew my father, you would know me. He says to the Pharisees who talk about God all the time. You don't even know God. What? And he's saying, you've seen me, you've seen the father. So he's saying, if you knew God in the heart behind the law, you would know that I'm actually living out the law right here in front of you. You would know that. And he says, and you don't know it because you don't even know God. I mean, this is wild stuff. Could it be that we would grow up in the church or go to church much of our lives and think, I think I've figured this out. I think I've got it. Presumed familiarity leading to a profound ignorance of who he really is. This is, and here's the scandal of, of it all. Until we recognize that we're blind, we will never have our eyes opened. And so today, as we approach scripture, I want you to, and it's why you're here. We're humbly coming into this uh, because in the larger context, okay, now you got the John context, but in the larger context of redemptive history, Jesus, you see, is going to point out, listen, God has always been the shepherd and we've always been his sheep, his people always sheep. In fact, he put under shepherds over his people, entrusting them to guide his his sheep, right? Like you may know this, Abraham was a shepherd. Moses, he was a shepherd. David was like the ultimate shepherd. And then he calls him into the sheep pens, to the sheepfold of Israel, to guide and lead them. God's always been calling out shepherds and pastor shepherds among his people to lead his people. And and in fact, in Ezekiel, Ezekiel prophesies in Ezekiel 34, this is where Ezekiel prophesied before, during, and after the, the exile. And he's speaking to the leaders of Israel. And he says this. Watch this. The, Lord, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man. Okay, talking to e- Ezekiel. Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds. Thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? And then he goes on in this passage. He says, you've eaten the fattened sheep. You're eating the sheep. He says, and you haven't taken care of the ones that have gone astray. You haven't cared for the injured ones. You tracking with him here? They just cast the guy out of the temple. And now we see here in Ezekiel, the story all along has been, no, 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 draw them in. And he goes on to say this, I will rescue my flock. This is God. They shall no longer be prey, be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant, David. Now, if you know your Bible history at all, David lived 400 years before this time. He's pointing to the Messiah, shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. That's another way of saying, drop the mic. I am done with this. So in this space, this story, this narrative, Jesus steps in and he says to the Pharisees, you guys are turning away. The very ones who are in need. You have lost the heart of God. You don't even know God. You don't understand the law behind the, 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 I mean, the heart behind the law. This is a, listen, this is a shocking truth. But trying to follow careful obedience to God's law can actually serve as a strategy to rebel against God. Like they, I mean, they became the older brother in the prodigal son story, right? I mean, this, and he tells the story to Pharisees. Like you guys, you, you don't even know the father and you can't join the party. The kingdom has come. I'm standing here. And he's going to then say out of this context and a million others out of the Old Testament, he comes and steps into this, this space and says, I am. There, there it is again. Ego, I me. I am I am the good shepherd. But before he gets that's next week. Before he gets there, he says, "I am the door." Now, admittedly, this teaching is a bit intermixed. So next week, uh, come here. Grant Glover is going to drop some truth as we talk about the good shepherd. Okay, we'll be uh, teaching on this next week. But but today we're going to see that Jesus as the gate. Okay, an inanimate object. So it's a little challenging, but a lot of a lot on the shepherd. Um, this, today as well. We're going to see that Jesus, uh, he gives us protection, okay? He gives us provision. He gives us prosperity, okay, in the truest sense of the word. So first, he gives protection. We get verse one. Here we go. Truly, truly, okay, this so is like, I'm speaking the truth. Listen up. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber, okay? He's speaking with the Pharisees listening, He's saying you just abused, cast out a man. Jesus embraces those who the religious establishment have rejected. Okay? And let me just say that. Say this, that, that if you've been, felt rejected by God, let me, let me assure you, he has not rejected you. He is not condemning you today. He's reaching out to you. He loves you. And if you feel that you've been rejected by God's people, like I tried to sheep in and she, the shepherds are coming after me, I, I hope that you don't feel that way here. And regardless of where you come from, regardless of your past, whatever economic strata you may find yourself in, regardless of the color of your skin, even your language, whatever, wherever you come from, you are welcome here. Jesus is the door. He's the good shepherd. And he says, come on in. And there's only one way in. Okay? Now, now how many shepherds we have here today? Any, we got some shepherds. We don't have any shepherds? I didn't think so. We don't have shepherds in North Dallas, right? How many elementary-age, like, school teachers do we have? Y'all know what I'm talking about. How about this? Like me, how many of you have uh, coached, like, a, a little kid's soccer team? Anybody? We're getting closer. Okay. Um, some of y'all, like, our toddlers in our connect groups, right? Y'all, you know, that now you're getting a little... But my, my point is this. We, you can imagine... We, we just got back from Israel. We saw shepherds, okay? And here's the thing. Over 2,000 years, shepherding hasn't changed a whole lot in Israel. There's not there's new technology. There's not, you know, uh, all, I mean, they're just shepherds. And they look like exactly. Like you go, that's exactly what I think it looks like. When I, when I read the scriptures, they're still out there. They're walking around. But what, what we need to see here to understand what's really going on is there are two types of sheepfolds. Sheepfold is a pen okay? And if you're in town, it's like a courtyard, okay? And there's one way in, one way out. That's the simplest way to do this, right? And there's a wall, if, and, and people don't, don't, aren't authorized to go in, okay? So the gate is authority. The gate is legitimacy. The gate is the, is the one who, who, who keeps people in and out. Uh, and, and Jesus is this protector, which is prominent throughout this passage. And so uh, there's, in the rural areas, they would just build like a little, and you still see this, um, out, of, out of stone, anything they can find. They come and build this little pen uh, high enough so the sheep can't get out. And then there's one entrance. Uh, and, and it's one way in, one way out. And so look at this. He is the, he's the gate, the gate, and he's the gatekeeper, we're going to see. Look at verse 2. But he who enters by the door, okay, or the gate, another translation, is the shepherd of the sheep. He, he's the one who has access. Jesus is saying, I've got full access. I, I have the password I, I'm the one who, who opens the door. And look at verse 3. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hears, hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now, this is beautiful. This is the picture of a larger communal pen where you have multiple families would share the same space, and they would have like a gatekeeper. You know, imagine a shepherd at night, kind of a security guy but they would have multiple flocks in one, one pen. And literally the shepherd shows up. He has access to the sheep only. And he shows up and he says, Hey, my sheep, let's go. And his sheep, sheep don't know much, but they know the shepherd's voice. Literally they'll follow him, but they won't follow any other shepherd who shows up. I mean, this, this is real. This is, he's just telling us. Here's, every, all of his first hearers would have gone, yeah, like a bunch of shepherds among him, among them. And then we go, yeah, that's, that's how it goes. And, and so you have the authorized, the unauthorized. But this is a good time to pause for a moment and talk about how we are called sheep. God is our shepherd, but we're called sheep in the Bible, like throughout, and even in the Old Testament. And you know, like Psalm 23, right? So we're, we're, we're the sheep. We're we're just sheep and we think, oh, that that is so sweet. Like, that is really sweet. Not not so much. Not not so much. Sheep are defenseless. Sheep are stupid. Can I say that? Kids, we don't say stupid. But we're stupid. Kids are not, I mean, kids. Kids, sorry. Sheep are not not smart. They're not smart. Um, They don't know what's up. And if they go out away from the sheep pen, away from the shepherd, that's key, when they move away from the shepherd, uh, they're just like food for wolves. But bring the shepherd into that scenario. Now we got something. Like now, okay, now I'm a sheep, but my identity is found in my shepherd. Like everything about my security is found in him. Eternal security is found in him. Forgiveness is found in him, right? Right? The food is found in him. He protects us is what he does. He, he offers protection if we stay close to the shepherd, right? Some of you know Psalm 23. Now, we may go here next week a little bit further, but Psalm 23. David says, you know, the Lord, he is my shepherd. And, w- and the way we read it often, and it's legit, the Lord is my shepherd. I love the personal pronouns. I think what he's doing, though, here's, here's how it goes. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. You know, we read it that way. I think David would flip the inflection. I think he's bragging about his shepherd is what he's doing. He's saying, y'all, the Lord, the Lord God Almighty is my shepherd. He is the one who leads me to, to quiet water. He restores my soul. See, when you flip it and all the focus is on the shepherd and not on the sheep, now you've got something because sheep aren't that smart. In fact, I want you to see something, an image I want in your mind. You probably have seen this. It went viral about a year ago or so, but here's a sheep that's stuck in a rut, right? He's down in the hole. You can barely see it. we got this young guy, I guess kind of a young modern day shepherd, and he's tying, he's tying, um, he's tying a, like a a rope or something onto his back leg. is the only way you can get him out. The sheep is jammed in there. Like he is stuck. This sheep is not very smart, right? So he's pulling him out and the sheep's like, what the heck? What's going on? And he doesn't know. I'm trying to save you. And the sheep uh, just starts freaking out a little bit. Oh, he's free. Now he's like, yes, I am free. I'm free. <laughs> Yo. That is us. I mean, I want that indelibly etched in your mind. That is me. That's you. And I want you to hear this. The good shepherd. He loves his sheep. He calls out to them. He's there for them. They know his voice. And when we fall in a rut, because it's going to happen, we'll fall in a rut. And then later today, we're going to fall in again. And then tomorrow, we're going to be jacked up. And then the next day, we're going to mess up. And the shepherd doesn't go, what the flip? You're so stupid. Some of you think that God's like that. Friends, he's not like that. In fact, when we get stuck in a rut... When we start to go away from our shepherd and he's like, there's wolves over there. I'm coming after you. Or when we, get, we fall in a rut, we get stuck, we can't get out. It, it is, it is it, our, our sin. It's our, our, our waywardness that triggers his love for us. It triggers his mercy towards us. Because look, watch this. The shepherd is not a sheep. He's not like us. He knows where he's guiding us and leading us. He sees ahead of time. So he is our protector. But watch this. He is our provider. Jesus gives provision. And I chose this word specifically. Pro means ahead of time or beforehand. Vision. He sees ahead of time what we need so you can trust him today, friends. Look at verse four. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Sheep don't know much, but they know the shepherd's voice. I mean, this is so beautiful, so powerful. Jesus can provide for us what we need. He knows ahead of time. See, the sheep find their identity in the shepherd and it's in close proximity with the shepherd. That we're able to flourish and we're protected and he provides for us. I mean, many of us, what, think about this. What change are you faced with today? Maybe really good stuff. Maybe crazy. Maybe it'd be like, well, Jeff, you're okay. I get it, but I can't see what's ahead of me. Like even the song we're singing, don't know what you're doing, but I know what you've done. You see, we talk about this often. The Christian life, yes, what would Jesus do? That's a great question. We want to be just like him. But before that, what did he he do already? He's died on the cross for your sin. You are justified before God, not because of how good you are. You're a smart, whipping sheep, always doing the right thing. No, you're always in a rut. You're going to fall in a rut again and again. He's the good shepherd who defines us. We keep running back to him. Our identity is found in him. But many of you, maybe you're at a a stream right now, and you're drinking from that stream. Maybe this has happened to you recently. You're like, this is good, man. This is good. And the shepherd goes, no, we're out. Let's go. What? We just got here. Like, this is amazing. And what you don't know, the shepherd provides. He's got vision ahead of time. He sees what you cannot see, friends. Trust him. This is for somebody right now. Trust him. Trust him. He's guiding and leading because watch this. He, he's going to guide you up on a, on a hill, maybe some rough terrain. You're like, dang, I was drinking water. I'm a thirsty out here. This is ridiculous. Where is he taking us? You ever feel that way? And then you come over a hill. The shepherd says, come on, let's go. You come down a hill, and you're looking at the most beautiful alpine lake you've ever seen in your life. And you go down there. It is the freshest, cleanest water you've never imagined. He said, this is what I had all along. It's better than where you were. And friends, we got to trust the good shepherd, but it's all about just following him one step at a time. We can't see what he's doing, but we know what he's done and we can trust him. We can trust him because he is the good shepherd, right? And so here's what I want you to see. Um, In verse five, look at this. Uh, A stranger, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. They'll flee from a stranger. For they do not know the voice of the stranger. Here's a word for some of us. What voices are you listening to today? And all of us, but if if you're a parent, are you discerning? What are you allowing? What voices are you allowing into your space, into your life, into your head? Watch this. You know who speaks to you more than anybody? Yourself. Which is why the psalmist is constantly saying, Oh, my soul, speak truth to your soul. Speak the truth of God to your soul, and you're thinking, how do I know the truth of God? There's a book for that. Be in his word every day. How can we be disciples and not be in his word following him every day? The word of God dominates the mind of the sheep because we can trust the shepherd and we learn to know him more. And our presumed familiarity is blown up when we look to see and we apply scripture and we learn about how he's following us. I mean, how he's leading us and following us. And and today, listen, friends, if you've not yet received a bookmark, and I know this, I know it's, it's a thing, but it's helpful, okay? Bookmark. You can grab one today. Again, it's online. I mean, I'm checking off like every day. I want you to join me. This is what we're doing as a church family. If you're not a member here, we are a family walking together. Okay. You can join us, but I'm telling you as a local body, I'm a pastor of a local church. And this is what we're doing because we're family. We're going to keep each other accountable. We're talking about it all the time. Do this thing. All right. Look at verse six, this figure of speech. Okay. You may not know that John doesn't offer parables. There's another word, uh, for parables. These are allegories. And so that's why it's a little hard. Wait, is the door? Who's the door? Who's the gatekeeper? Is that God? Is he the, wait, what? And he's just using this analogy, but they did not understand what he was saying to them, okay? What's the difference here? Close proximity to the sheep. If you, I mean, the shepherd. If you know the shepherd, there's a difference between hearing and listening. The sheep know his voice they're listening for his voice because they know he's their protector. He is their provider. Look at this, finally. Jesus gives prosperity. Now, this is the truest sense of the word. I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel here where you know, like God is like the Amazon driver. You, know, you click on something, man, something's gonna show up at my front porch. Let's go. Um, listen, when you come to Christ, we, we talk about this all, when you come to Jesus, it doesn't mean all is gonna go well with you. When you come to Christ, it means whatever comes your way, you're going to be okay because you're walking with the shepherd. He protects you. He provides for you. And watch this. He doesn't give us what we want. Praise be to God. He gives us what we need. That's what the good shepherd does. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11 is a verse that a lot of people love and pull out of context all the time. Um, and you know what it says, right? You know what it says? For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. God's will is to prosper you. This word is flourish, for you to thrive. It's what Jesus, zoe life, real everlasting life. And that, and we always think eternal life. Oh, I get it. He's going like zap me up to heaven. No, no, no. Eternal in its quality, everlasting in its peace, eternal, infinite in all its ways. This is the life he's calling us to. And in Jeremiah 29, 11, like you guys are in exile and guess what? You're not getting out. You're not going to, I mean, you're going to die in exile, but I'm going to help you flourish right there. If you will follow and stay close to the good shepherd. Okay. So even in exile, you see, God says, I want, I want to, I want to bless you. All right. So he, he protects us even in places like that. He provides for us wherever you find yourself today. And here's what I, I got to say this. Often I hear people, Christianity is under attack in America right now. It's under attack. And people are going to be throwing that at you all the time. Let me, can I say it? And I get it. I, I get it. There's nuance here, but Christianity's not under attack. Two things. One, come to India with me. Come, come to Nepal and see some of our, our mission partners who, or how about this? Bangladesh, Abraham Sarkar, who, who's some of our partners who end up getting, I mean, jumped. You talk about persecution. Go to how about this? Nigeria, where I was some years ago. We go to Mombasa on the east side now, but Nigeria is one of the most dangerous places on the planet to be a Christian. Radical Muslims. Christianity, you could say, Christians are under attack around the world. Not here. Comfortable Christianity is under attack. Christian comfort is under attack here in the United States. Cultural Christianity is under attack. Okay, I'll give you that. My point is this. Jesus said, the good shepherd said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church, my people. Why? Because he's the good shepherd. He protects, he provides, and he helps us prosper even in a a place and a time when it feels like, man, everybody's coming at us. We're living in a growing secularized culture. There's no question about it. But the church, watch this. The gates of hell will not prevail. The church is on the offense. We're not playing defense. Because when we step into that dark space, light, see, pushes back the darkness. Darkness doesn't push back light. We've talked about that. So the darker it gets, the brighter we shine. I'm not scared of what's happening in our nation, nor should you be. I mean, yeah, we can be concerned like, man, is this, where's America going? And and, and I understand all that. I'm saying as believers, we have another king and another kingdom, and we follow him regardless of what comes our way. And he says, I'm going to bless you. And so look at verse verse 7. He says again, now he's very explicit. I am the door of the sheep. And then in verse 8, all who came before me, they're thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. There it is. I'm ye, uh, Ego, I'm e. I I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and pasture. See, here's the picture. There, that's where the flourishing is. We talk about it. We, ga- we, we gather to scatter. With protection, provision, we go out. Why do we go out? Because that's where the fruit is. That's where the green grass is. And so that's how, how we flourish in life. We come together to worship in the sheepfold. We come together, encourage each other, and we go out. But it's all about, here it is, close proximity with the shepherds. Are you walking with him? Do you know him today? Are you in the sheepfold? Are you a part of a sheepfold? And then Jesus says this. Here's the pivotal verse. We'll come back to it next week. The thief comes to, to, only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. All right? So I'm going to close with this. This is, um, I'll land on this, this story. There's a, there's a guy, his name was uh, Sir George Adam Smith. And he was a Scottish preacher in the 1800s, 1850s. And um, he was an Old Testament professor. And he would make uh, a lot of trips to the Middle East, to Israel. And he'd write about it. And so I'm reading about some of the stuff he wrote and he, he, he encountered this shepherd in, in what I described out in a rural area who would built this little enclosure for, you know, sheep to come in. He says, so this is the sheep pen. He said, yeah, this is the sheep. They come in, they're protected, they're, they're safe here. And, and he says, well, there's not a, but there's not a door, like there's not a gate right here. And he said, oh, I'm the door. He says, what do you, what do you mean you're the door? So I just, well, the sheep come in, I bring the sheep in and then I just lay down right here and a sheep's not going to go over my body and no animal's going to come in over my body. He said, I am the door. And so Jesus, (laughs) he comes in and he says, I am the door over my dead body, raised up again Will you find life, be able to come in and out? I have all authority. If you're with me, the good shepherd, I will lead you to eternal, everlasting Zoe life in the here and now. Do you know him today? I want us to pray together. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes with me as we close our time together? God has been speaking to you by his spirit because that's what he does. And so tell me, what, what are you going to do? How are you going to obey him? If you've never received Christ, right now I want to encourage you to do so. To say yes to him. Friend, believe. Is where this whole story started. You're blind without him. Belief precedes reason, opens our eyes, and we see by faith what we could not see otherwise. So just believe, say, come, Lord, I receive your grace. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for first living the perfect life because I could not. Thank you for being my substitute. I want to be in the sheepfold. I'm a mess without your guidance. I need you. So just say, good shepherd coming in my heart. Make me the person you've created me to be. I give you my life in response to what you've done. Lord, we, we love you and we praise you. And for those of us who are in the sheep pen, my friend, I'd ask you, what, what is he calling you to do? I got a hunch that the Spirit is telling you, listen to my voice. Listen. And let my voice dominate all the other voices coming into your life. He's challenged you to be in his word. So, Lord, we give you our lives. We trust you. And we thank you that you are the good shepherd. You never tire of pulling us out of our mess. And we are so thankful today. We know your heart a little better today than we did before we came in. So we thank you for speaking to us. We give you our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.